Hello, good morning, and welcome to Line One, your health connection. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Clark. Homelessness is a highly visible problem in Alaska and especially in Anchorage. For many reasons, it is also a very complicated issue and now has political overtones. However, while this is not a glamorous topic, some would argue how we manage this problem is a key metric to how well our community is doing as a whole. Today on Line 1, we are going to try and focus on health issues related to homelessness. They are numerous and include frostbite, sexual and physical violence, and mental health. How does sheltering and medical treatment of the homeless population impact outcomes? What are the impacts to the community? Is this problem fixable? To help us answer these and more questions, I am pleased to have guests Dr. John Morris and Captain Denise Delgado. Please give us a call toll-free, statewide, 1-888-353-5752, 1-888-353-5752, in Anchorage, 550-8433, 550-8433, or email us at line1 at alaskapublic.org. Dr. Morris, welcome back to Line One. It's good to have you back. Thank you for having me, Dr. Clark. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, you are very welcome. I'd like to start with you and, and give you a chance to uh, give a little bit about your background um, and um, also your particular interest in uh, the homeless population. Well, thank you. Um, I used to work as the homeless coordinator for the city. Uh, my wife and I, when we uh, realized that we were going to make Alaska our home a few years back. We we looked around and we saw exactly what you said in the in the introduction, that how we manage homelessness is a as a problem for our community uh, is a metric of how the community as a whole is doing. Uh, and in my now that I no longer work for the city, I still work at the hospital, and and I keep seeing folks who who don't have a safe place to sleep at night. Uh, and suffering from illnesses that most of us take for granted uh, that we would never suffer from. And uh, we have the resources to improve the health of of these folks that are experiencing homelessness and help them live the best lives. Uh, And we can do it while also reducing the cost to our community as a whole. Uh, It can be a win-win, and now is the best time to do it. Okay. Well, thanks for that, uh, Dr. Morris. Um, I want to also introduce... um, Captain Denise Delgado as a first-time guest on the on the program. Um, Captain, would you mind giving uh, our listeners a little bit of background about yourself, uh, what you're doing uh, now uh, related to the Salvation Army? Will do. Um, Captain Denise Delgado, I'm the Anchorage Social Services Director for the Salvation Army. So I oversee the social services on behalf of the Salvation Army here in the Anchorage Bowl area. Um, just a little background about myself. I am a child of addicts. Um, I've experienced homelessness as a child and as an adult and even went through my own addiction when I got older. Um, I've been sober now for about 14 years, and I get to now help the people that I once was. Uh, I get to help those that are are facing those same things of uncertainty of where they're going to sleep, of um, drug addiction, of of alcoholism, and, and be able to give that helping hand here 
um, in Anchorage. And so it's a blessing to be on the other side of things. Uh, currently, right now, I oversee the McKinnell Shelter. That's a 16-unit shelter uh, for families here in Anchorage. We house uh, single fathers with kiddos, and we're the only one in the state of Alaska to do that. We keep whole families together and, and hopefully prevent them um, from being a this homelessness being a one-time touch um, and to help set them in a better course for their future. I also oversee our Clitheroe Residential um, and Outpatient Substance Abuse Program here in town. Um, we're actually getting ready to open up uh, 15 more beds just for women um, in the next month or so. So I'm blessed to be able um, to help steer uh, the Salvation Army here in Anchorage that way. Yeah, well, thank you for your service in this regard, and, and um, you know, congratulations on your sobriety. That is no easy feat by any means. Um, thank you. So I want to kind of start the conversation off with, um, you know, what's unique about Alaska in terms of the homeless? Obviously, we have different weather than a lot of places. I previously lived in Hawaii and, and San Diego, all of locations that are nice and warm, uh, and also have enormous uh, homeless populations. But... Anchorage in Alaska seems a little different to me. So, um, and, and whoever wants to field this is fine. But, um, you know, what are sort of the differences, the major health issues that Alaskan homeless um, people um, maybe uh, experience different than the lower 48? Uh, maybe, uh, Captain, uh, why don't you start with that one? Um, I don't know, like, health-wise. Um, Obviously, they're not taking care of themselves if they don't have somewhere to stay or if they have an un undiagnosed mental health disorder, um, they're not being uh, able to seek treatment. Um, services I have seen here, and I've been California, Arizona, and all of those places, but what I've seen here is, is services are readily inaccessible, but it's about getting that word out and, and making sure that they're being plugged into the right locations. Um, I think that I feel as though um, that we're not doing a really good job. It's, it's for me, it's more of, um, yes, it's a choice, but when somebody has un, undiagnosed mental health disorders, they're not looking to seek help for themselves. And so it's us being better advocates to get them into treatment or or to get health care. Sure, sure. And um, I'll have Dr. Morris. You can elaborate a little bit on the on the differences as well in terms of the health. But but um, piggybacking there, uh, Captain Delgado, you mentioned that the services, and I think you said are readily accessible, or did you say inaccessible? Accessible. Accessible. I, so. I, I, yeah. yeah, and I think that's a, maybe a common misconception. Certainly, I have a conception looking at the at the people on the streets and, and all of the stuff that went on with the uh, community meetings um, uh, two years ago that there seems to be um, a lot of inaccessibility or lacking resources. But is that maybe not the case? There's definitely some barriers, um, but it's accessible. Like uh, one of the biggest barriers to get into treatment is is those that are friends that are are currently in addiction. Um, detox is not readily available. Like that's definitely a huge barrier um, here in town, and um, we're seeing more and more of that. the The Department of Corrections has been the de facto substance abuse program. The hospitals, and we only have really one detox here in town. Um, 
so that's like a huge barrier but like other other services are readily accessible in regards to uh, food um, uh, Medicaid Medicare Denali kids care like all of that stuff I'm talking about is more readily accessible. okay so it's accessible but it may not be uh, it's there it just may not being accessed um, as 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 easily or maybe it's a knowledge um, a reach out problem. Uh, doc, Dr. Morris, um, I know, um, you know you've mentioned exposure as one of the, the major risks for Alaska homeless population. What's different about the Alaska homeless population for, for health issues? Well, you know, the experience of homelessness is different in different communities all over America. You know, and, you know, and weather is a, it's a big difference. You know, in, in New York City, they've got a right to shelter. They've got, there, are, there are many shelters, and there's a relatively uh, low number of folks who uh, don't have a roof over their heads. In California, that's not the case, but there is a lot of outreach and, and, um, uh, and treatment available. Uh, here, um, like Dr. Delgado was talking about, or Kevin Delgado was talking about, we've got you know, uh, a disconnect and barriers of getting people who are experiencing homelessness uh, to the treatment and the services that they need, even though there's um, uh, many different service providers in town. And we are short on treatment, for, particularly for detox and, and inpatient uh, psychiatric stuff. What got me um, uh, uh, wanting to talk to you today uh, was uh, at my day job. Uh, we've seen just a, uh, a rash of, of folks coming in, uh, losing fingers, toes, feet, uh, parts of their ears, uh, suffering from frostbite because it's cold up here. And, uh, uh, you know, these are things that you know, we, we can take for most folks take for granted aren't going to happen to them. Uh, and here in Alaska, uh, we've had over 50 people uh, present to uh, just one of our hospitals here in town's emergency room with frostbite uh, who were homeless. Um, there are three, hosp- three public hospitals. You know, that's a lot of people. Uh, the state keeps data on it. Last winter, 27 people had severe frostbite that were, that were experiencing homelessness that came in. This is a big problem. That's a lot of, of missing uh, toes and, and fingers and, and things that stick with you for a lifetime. Um, and so uh, that's, a, that's the big difference uh, for me, that, that this extreme Alaska climate we've got. Okay. And I understand, um, you know, one of the major risks down in the lower 48 for, for the health and welfare of the population is, is more of the, the car traffic. And up here, that's not as, as big of an issue. Is that right? That's, that's true. You know, folks are still, are still hit by cars here when they, uh, when they enter the streets. Uh, but compared to California, it's, it's a lower proportion. You know, the people experiencing homelessness, actually the, uh, the most common causes of death are the same as for people who have houses, heart disease and diabetes. They just happen 20 to 30 years sooner. Um, for folks who don't have a safe place to stay uh, than they do for the rest of the population. Okay, and that's because they're unconscious. not getting treated. It, it is, you know. If, if you don't know where uh, your next meal's coming from or where you're going to sleep tonight, um, uh, making it to some doctor's appointment on Friday at 10.30 in the morning, um, that becomes a much less immediate need, uh, and that's a significant barrier to getting that done. And and so that was one of the lessons, one of the good lessons that we learned um, during COVID, uh, where the community uh, stood up to Sullivan Arena and co-located uh, medical clinics uh, where people experiencing homelessness were. 
and so kind of bring the doctors to the patients, and um, it made a big impact. Okay, let's let's talk a little bit about um, about we can start with the well violence, physical, sexual. Um, Captain Delgado, any uh, what are you seeing in the in the patients that you or or the homeless patients, people that you are seeing? Um, Maybe at McKinnell House or or through the other services. Is this an issue that's that's happening in Alaska? A hundred percent. We have multiple people, men and women, in our in our residential substance abuse program, who've been assaulted. Um, we have um, them trying to work through those um, the trauma that they've endured from that, um, and that the toll that it takes on themselves mentally. Um, and which can turn physically, right, with, from stress and and all of that, and, and even their addiction itself, uh, trying to mask of what happened and trying to work through that through counseling and recovery. Um, in our in our McKinnell program, we're seeing that as well. Um, people fleeing from their partners, um, and they're finding themselves homeless for the first time ever. Um, trying to get into a wake shelter here in town, and if they don't have any rooms available, then they don't want to be on the street. So we're seeing that as well. Sure, sure. I want to give our listeners the opportunity to call and ask these uh, experts questions. Um, I just wanted to give you guys a reminder. You can call statewide 1-888-353-5752 in Anchorage, 550-8433, or email me, Line one at alaskapublic.org. Um, Captain Delgado, what about mental health? What are you What are you guys seeing on the streets in terms of um, mental health? Um, you know, is this a cause of the problem? Is it an effect of the problem? What's What's your opinion? Um, well, there's there's multiple different reasons for mental health issues. It's drug induced, or it's um, um, you know, something naturally that has happened to them. Uh, but um, what we're seeing is is a lot of the time um, there, alcohol and drugs become the de facto um, treatment for some people. And uh, that's what they cling to rather than actually seeking help. Um, and so it's like a lot of times masking um, other, other um, things that they are putting off for themselves. So it's, 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 similar to, I, I assume that they do at the hospital, you know, you take care of, of the pain first and then you go from there. Um, but um, it's just getting them in, getting them, um, I, I equate it to back in England when our, our founder, William Booth, um, saw people on the streets and um, drunkards uh, left and right, um, his three-prong approach was soup, soap, and salvation, you know soup um, to make sure that they have physically everything that they have, that their stomachs aren't rumbling. Soap, um, clean them up, um, get them access to what they need to get access to, um, whether it's hospital or, or clothes or whatever the tangible things are in salvation. And then we do it because of the love of Jesus Christ. And that's why we, we have our mission the way it is. And so I think that um, having those navigators out on the street um, actually um, being in the street rather than here, like you were saying at the beginning of what you heard or misconceptions, actually taking a walk down the street and just finding out from your neighbors because 
these individuals all around us are our neighbors. They're just not homeless people um, or those experiencing homeless on the street corner. Sure, sure. Well, the Salvation Army is a, was a wonderful institution, um, you know, and uh, my, my grandfather, who's, who was British and in the war, um, has, uh, was really uh, saved by them after the war, and uh, they provided him a lot of um, assistance to get back on his feet, which he did. And he uh, was always a, a generous um, donator to the Salvation Army. So it's a wonderful institution. Um, where, where in Anchorage is the Salvation Army right now? So in, in regards to programs or? Yeah, it's, I mean, there's a couple buildings, right? And, and people can donate and... Um, uh, sure. Our divisional headquarters is located at 143 East 9th Avenue in downtown. Um, our McKinnell Shelter is at 1712 A Street. Um, we just do a small phone screening or screening with you just to get some basic information and then we can bring people in. Um, we also have right next door to that is our food pantry for those who are needing access to food. Um, we have our older Alaskans program that's on that same site that does home delivered meals to those uh, seniors here in Anchorage who can't get out and are homebound. And that's a wonderful program we have there as well. We have Serendipity that's over at 3600 20th Avenue. That's um, an adult day program for seniors uh, from dementia to respite care for families, just to be able to go to work and not have that stress of having their, their loved ones at home by themselves. Uh, we do cognitive, um, cognitive therapy with, with some of them, um, from music to touch to reading, um, to be able with those that have Alzheimer's or dementia um, to help with that as well. And then we have our outpatient services on that same campus. Fantastic. It's a wealth of resources. Um, you know, with that, um, I'm going to take a short break here for our first uh, break. Uh, you are listening to Line One, your health connection. If you have a question or a comment for our guests today, give us a call statewide, 1 888 353 5752. 1 888 353 5752. Or in Anchorage, 550-8433, 550-8433. After the short break, we'll continue our discussion on health and homeless with Dr. John Morris and Captain Denise Delgado. You're listening to Line 1 from Alaska Public Media. You can find Line 1 on alaskapublic.org or wherever you get your podcasts. The Alaska State Library Talking Book Center has audiobooks and more for children and adults who are unable to read standard print. Learn more at talkingbooks.alaska.gov. This message sponsored by the Alaska Library Network. The Alaska Travel Industry Association provides leadership and guidance to Alaska's tourism businesses for how to operate safely across the state. Members can access updated industry resources related to COVID-19 at alaskatia.org. This message sponsored by ATIA.
Welcome back to Line One, your health connection on Alaska Public Media. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Clark. I'm joined by Dr. John Morris and Captain Denise Delgado. Do you have questions about health in the homeless? What are the costs? What are the impacts? Call us toll-free statewide, 1-888-353-5752. In Anchorage, 550-8433-550-8433 or email us at line1 at alaskapublic.org. Captain Delgado, we got you here for about another nine minutes. I know you have another engagement to be getting to, and thank you for your time today. Um, I want to have an uh, email here that was sent by a provider in town who was actually wanting to know if um, you are aware of any opportunities uh, where someone could volunteer a few hours a week to help out. Absolutely. Um, If they wanted to volunteer at any one of our programs, our volunteer coordinator, Heidi Navarro, she'll be more than happy to help you get set up. We do background check everybody um, just because we work with vulnerable adults and that's part of our protecting the mission that helps us to make sure that everybody is safe when they walk into our doors. Um, So they do have to do a background check. I just wanted to make sure that everybody knew that first. Absolutely. Um, what would be the maybe the best way to, to get in contact? The best contact, um, I can give you her email as well as phone number. Her email is Heidi, H-E-I-D-I dot Navarro, N-A-V-A-R-R-O, at USW dot Salvation Army dot org. Or you can call 907-276-2515 and ask for a volunteer coordinator or Heidi Navarro. Great. Well, hopefully Heidi is going to be overwhelmed here. Um, <laughs> so you'll have to apologize. Uh, but certainly I, I, I feel there's a, there's a great need and volunteering would be would be absolutely wonderful. So thank you for that question. Absolutely. Um, I'll pose this uh, next email to my experts here. Um, we have a gentleman from Fairbanks who has noted that in other countries, um, the issue of homelessness has been treated um, more aggressively. Japan, Denmark, Singapore, Canada, Finland. Um, Finland's provided immediate permanent housing to folks. And his question is, why, you know, wh- why can other countries do it, but why can't we as the greatest country in the world? So, uh, Dr. Morris, any, any thoughts? Well, I think the short answer is we can. Um, whether it takes the, the format of, of Japan or Finland or, or Singapore, um, I don't know. But uh, I think that we certainly have the resources to, to dramatically reduce this problem um, the, and, and do it in a compassionate way. Uh, I think that doing things right, uh, caring for people is the right way to start, and it bears dividends for the community as a whole. Um, you know, there's a, a place called Haven for Hope down in San Antonio, Texas. And it's a, uh, a navigation center, a transformative campus, whatever the folks want to call it. People can come as they are there um, and, and enter into treatment or job training or, or whatever that particular individual needs. Different people need different things. And among other great benefits from the uh, program, they, they saw a reduction on visible homelessness, you know, the number of folks that you see on the street, over 80%. Uh, in San Antonio uh, since the place started. So there are places in America that, that are, have learned how to, how to make a big impact to help people 
can't do that here in Anchorage as well. Great. Um, Dr. Morris, we're having a little bit of a choppy connection there, so I'm going to have you um, uh, sign off, and then we'll, we'll call you back and get you back on. And then in the meantime, uh, Captain Delgado and I will, will discuss the question. Is that okay? Sounds good. I'll call back from the landline here. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, so, uh, Captain Delgado, in your in your last few minutes here with us, um, can you can you just reiterate some of the sheltering options here in the Anchorage area, and and uh, also if you'd like to comment on the international question, obviously Salvation Army is an international institution. Uh, feel free to do so. Absolutely, um, the international wise, the Salvation Army is everywhere helping with with people from sheltering, like we're, we're helping shelter and, and help those that are currently in Ukraine, for heaven's sakes. Um, and, and we're doing that all over the place. Um, but there's, there's different, not one size fits all for homelessness. Yes, we can absolutely pick everybody off the street right now and put them into a home. Um, but what's going to happen six months from then or even a year from then? You know, um, it's it's more than just putting them into a house, it, you know, and there's got to be that willingly in that want um, to help themselves. Um, I, I found with my family, for instance, that um, was putting my parents to work. They started getting clean and sober by helping to volunteer, which helped them to get off drugs, to give them um felt like something that they've earned for themselves. And that really put our family in a different trajectory. Um, But for myself, it was being at my rock bottom and finding out that I needed help and I couldn't do it myself and seeking those specific things out. So it's it's very different for everybody. It's just not a one-size-fits-all situation. Sure. No, it is such a complicated issue, not just with uh, the shelter alone. And and I'm going to talk about this in our next section with Dr. Morris, but it's not just shelter alone, but it's providing those job opportunities, that purpose, um, as well as treating um, any anything that needs to be treated. And, and, and it's those three things plus others combined that where the outcomes really, really start to go up. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Great. Um, um, and then if in our last uh, few minutes here with you, any other uh, thoughts you want to get across to the listeners um, about other sheltering options in, in Alaska, anything uh, specific? Yes. Um, they, if anybody's needing family shelter, we're more than happy. Um, like I said, please call us um, and we'll be more than happy to help you at 907-375-3542. Will help refer you. Um, there's always 211 is a good resource as well. Um, there's Catholic Social Services that does single moms with kiddos, and then uh, Awake Shelter for those that are seeking um, shelter from domestic violence issues. Um, but there there are specific shelters here in town. Not everybody qualifies for the same one. But if you give us a call, we won't just refer you. We'll actually um, give you a breakdown of, of what's needed. Okay, great. And I think um, if, if, uh, if you're willing, um, uh, Denise, you can send us some of those, those email links for those oh, places uh, back to the email we, we had earlier today, and, and we can post those up on our, on our website and our show link as well. Will do. More than happy to. Good. Dr. Morris, do we have you back on the line? Yes, I'm with you. 
Great, great. Okay, well, um, you know, Dr. Delgado, I know you have to uh, leave for another engagement. I wanted to express my sincere thank you for being part of our show today and sharing your story and your information. And um, and uh, we'll look forward to hopefully more visits on the show. It was my pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity just to share my little piece. You're welcome. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Bye-bye. Um, Dr. Morris, let's talk a little bit about routine medical care. So what what's available out there? How do people get it? Well, uh, you know, there's a, uh, a low-income free clinic in, in uh, uh, South Anchorage. Um, uh, and the, but and primarily, folks receive health care through the emergency rooms. Um, the shelters have uh, uh, paramedics, well, the Sullivan Arena, sorry, has paramedics. Some of the hotels run by the city have paramedics. Um, but other than that, it's simply a, a referral uh, and, and taken to uh, uh, the emergency rooms. And it's, it's very difficult for folks uh, logistically if they don't have a place to stay to make it to an appointment in the future, particularly when it's dealing with a problem that'll, that they'll feel the impact of down the road uh, when they've got immediate problems today. Yeah, and the costs of the emergency room care are far greater um, not not just the financial cost, but the but the workload and the burden to the uh, to the institutions as well, right? They are, and and it's a it's a it's it's such a de- degree that uh, uh, we have in some communities, uh, the uh, local hospitals and other stakeholders have gotten together and and created uh, referral uh, uh, places for folks experiencing homelessness to get health care. And we haven't quite done that yet here. Um, we have a respite facility at Brother Francis Shelter that allows folks who uh, don't have a safe place to, to live uh, but who have come to the hospital for a, a serious illness or surgery uh, to be discharged and, and have a place to um, you know, bridge that gap uh, and hopefully find more, more permanent housing while they're there. Sure, sure. Um, so what about the people that let's say, um, maybe for back of, lack of a better term, uh, homelessness by choice. You know, people that don't want to be sheltered or don't want to be, um, you know, a job or in treatment. What, are, are you, in your role, you know, for, formerly as the assistant there, or of, I'm sorry, as the homelessness director, what, that's, that's always, you know, someone's, or the contrary opinion is, well, these people don't want to be helped. But what, what's your experience in that? Well, well that's, a, that's a hot potato. The, um, <laughs> uh, uh, it, it, I've talked to an awful lot of folks experiencing homelessness, and uh, it, I can count on one hand the number of folks who had a legitimate other choice. Um, you know, when to say someone's choosing to do something, that implies that, that they had other good options. The vast majority of the time, the other options are, are bad. Uh, for folks. They've got an abusive home. Um, they, they've got substance abuse issues that make it difficult for them to uh, maintain a permanent residence. Um, it's, it's an, if you can imagine it, it's out there. It's a very tiny number of folks. They do exist, uh, however, and um, you know, I, met, I met one young couple. They um, they had come up from Washington State. They stayed in one of the hotels that we stood up for uh, mass care for the uh, COVID epidemic, uh, and I talked to them, and you know they 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 liked it up here. I asked them how they spent their days. They said, "Well, you've got some great parks here in town," um, 
and I asked, well, do you have family and friends uh, back in Washington? Oh, yes, but, you know, this this is okay here. You know, and if we weren't providing them that hotel room, they, they would have gone back to uh, Seattle, I think it was. But that's a very, very small number of folks. Now, most the And I think that as we approach the problem, designing our response around that tiny minority of people is, is not a good idea. I think we need to start with the assumption that folks need our help and go from there. Um, and, and I think that's uh, what the city's moving towards, and I hope so anyway. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing um, I wanted to discuss with you, and I know you, you have a, um, a wealth of information on this, is there is a difference between just providing somebody shelter versus um, other aspects, maybe treatment. There's, there's numbers with uh, sheltering and treatment. So, so let's go into that, Dr. Morris. What's I mean, sort of like what's first line? Let's say people say, okay, well, we we need to get people in a house. Okay, well, that's one part. So does that improve their outcomes at all? We're finding that, that it doesn't, at least not nearly as much as we would expect. Um, uh, and, and, and Captain Delgado, I was delighted to hear her speaking to that, in that the, the one-size-fits-all um, housing cures homelessness, gets, gets, gives somebody a house, it, it just doesn't work. Um, we, we've done the experiment. We've done the experiment for, for well on a decade now. And, and what we've seen is that the problem for a community gets worse. For some individuals, um, their problem is they just need a place to stay for a while. That's, that's a, that is a, a percentage of folks who are experiencing homelessness. That's not everybody. What, we, what we're founding is that what does apply to everyone is they need to, a person needs to meet them and talk to them and have a conversation and find out what their story is and, and then navigate them to what it is that they need uh, you know, to, to get back on their feet, live their best life. And uh, the vast majority of time, that's services, what we call services. And that services can be health care. Uh, it can be help with a, a mental health problem. It could be help finding a job. Um, it could be counseling on how to uh, stay away from abusive relationships. It can be any of a number of things, um, and it's different for different people. You know, the, the great success has been had with the HUD-VASH program, uh, which is the uh, a program for housing uh, veterans, and because it's very service heavy uh, and it's service required, it's it's uh, it's you you you're going to have to talk to folks uh, to uh, to to get the to get the housing. And what and what recent studies have been showing is that um, folks who are left alone in a house and who aren't backed up by someone who uh, you know cares about them and demonstrates an interest. Um, uh, they're they're dying at a, at very high rates. Um, uh, a lady came up to me after a, a public meeting, and she was unhappy with with what we were proposing uh, for addressing homelessness here. And she told me the story of her son, who had, was given an apartment, and 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 still uh, ended up dying from from alcohol abuse uh, because there wasn't that key component of of services or you know, which is really just a technical term for saying somebody that takes an interest in you. You know, uh, I've talked too much here, but, you know, people don't just need food and water and shelter. They need to, they need to have a sense of purpose. They need to know that somebody cares about them. Those sure. are all human yeah. needs, and, and those are things that we have to think about if we want to make a, a dent in this problem. 
you know, in taking, you know, there is a societal aspect um, to to their living situation too. I mean, they they are in a quote unquote, you know, community of their own. Um, many many of many of them are, and and if you take someone and you put them in a in a shelter. Uh, by themselves, they may not. They may lose that sense of of their friends or community, and that and, and that's that can be a problem too, right? You're absolutely right. You know, when you're uh, the folks, even folks, you know, folks, you, you, we see encampments for a reason. People like being with other people. People make friends. People have other people that care about them. And when you remove folks from uh, uh, from that social network. That hurts a lot, particularly when you're talking about folks, you know, who have a history of trauma um, and have had bad relationships. You know, when they have uh, somebody that, that legitimately cares about them and you separate them from that person, that doesn't do any good for anybody. Sure, sure. What's the what's the numbers? I know you have some numbers uh, for us, Dr. Morris, on, on sheltering and treating and, and a combination of those. Well, gosh, we, we do have some uh, – we're starting to get a lot of literature now, uh, particularly um, out of uh, California and the, and the East Coast. Um, uh, there was a study in, in, uh, that they published in a doctor journal uh, came out of Boston that showed that folks um, who, who are, are sheltered uh, are uh, uh, you know, three times more likely than uh, folks who have a house uh, to, to die in a given year. However, if you took the same folks and they weren't in the shelter, they were experiencing homelessness, but they, they weren't in shelter, they were 10 times more likely to die in a given year. You know, other studies have, have backed that up. It's 80 to 90% increases in, in mortality uh, by being unsheltered. Um, homicide rates 16 times as high in Seattle. You know, the, the numbers are overwhelming, and, and they back up what you would expect from common sense. You know, having a roof over your head um, should let you live longer. Absolutely. So um, very high rate of, of, of death or severe illness in unsheltered. It goes down significantly, maybe seven times for getting sheltered. But still, even just sheltering someone, you're still maybe three times as likely to, to die than being in permanent permanent housing. Is that right? That's true. That, that was, that, and that's data from the Boston study where um, they, they uh, uh, have a pretty robust street outreach medical team. So they, they don't uh, uh, require folks to come into a shelter or a navigation center, and they, they send you know, nurse practitioners, physicians, physician's assistants out on the streets, meet with folks and provide them health care and, and, and know their name, and, and they're able to and they've been doing that for uh, well over a decade, and they've, they've uh, accum- uh, accumulated a lot of data. And they were able to compare that with folks who are in the shelter. But again, you know, that roof simply isn't enough. You know, the, the, it's the services. It's the having the people there that have the conversation with you and say, hey, what is it you need? And, okay, I know where to get that. So what about the people that you treat or you provide services to but, but not a shelter? Is there data on that? The folks that uh, I don't understand the question. Oh, so, like, maybe there's, um, you know, you, they don't have a shelter, but you can provide them services. So, um, you know, outcomes of someone who's who you shelter versus who you just treat, 
versus shelter and treat. Is is there a difference, or did they look at that? That's a that's a tough question to answer because you know how do you how do you define treat? Um, uh, the 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 main the data for. Uh, sheltered versus unsheltered uh, is that Boston study that we were just talking about where there's massive dramatic uh, impacts of, of being sheltered uh, on uh, a person's health. Um, there's similarly, you know, you see dramatic decreases in assaults and homicide and suicide and all of those other things which have an outsized impact on the health of persons experiencing homelessness when you get folks indoors. But if you want to make true uh, change uh, in a person's health and in their life, uh, you've got to have somebody there to uh, talk to them, find out what it is they need, and, and help them find it. Yeah. And you think that there's, I mean, as our housing prices just kind of skyrocket here, um, do you think that plays a role in all? I mean, if, in people finding affordable housing or even people with, with means or low-income jobs are having trouble finding housing, is that... Is that are you? Were you seeing that in your role there? You know, of course. You know, if, if you've got folks on the margins, you know, the folks who um, who aren't quite uh, experiencing homelessness, they're uh, you know starting to couch surf. They don't know if they can make that next month's rent. When those rents go up, that makes that 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 harder, um, and it certainly shifts more people into needing uh, support. We've got some very robust. Uh, rental uh, and housing supports in Alaska uh, through the Alaska uh, Housing Finance Corporation and, and others. Um, uh, we 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 still need some help in in trying to connect people with those supports um, and in helping people uh, uh, get the skills or the better job or, or whatever is needed to uh, to stay out of that situation. You know our our rental vacancy rates. If you look at the state data. Have actually increased in Anchorage um, over the past decade. Uh, they were uh, down to like two and a half percent over a decade ago, uh, but our homelessness has increased. So there's not a direct uh, correlation, uh, but common sense would certainly indicate that if you're, uh, if it's more expensive to get housing, fewer people are going to be able to afford it. Sure. Okay. Dr. Morris, we're going to take our last uh, break here. You are listening to Line One, your health connection. If you have a question or a comment, for our guest today, give us a call statewide, 1-888-353-5752, 1-888-353-5752. In Anchorage, 550-8433, 550-8433. After the short break, we'll continue our discussion on health and the homeless with Dr. John Morris and Captain Denise Delgado. Thank you. You're listening to Line 1 from Alaska Public Media. You can find Line 1 on alaskapublic.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, did you know that one out of four Alaska high school students currently use e-cigarettes? E-cigarettes are easy to use and easy to hide. What teens breathe in and out from e-cigarettes is not safe. It contains cancer-causing chemicals, toxic metals, and nicotine. Nicotine can lead to addiction. It can harm brain development and hurt memory, learning, and attention span. Parents, talk to your teens about vaping. Visit livevapefree at alaskaquitline.com. This message sponsored by the Alaska Tobacco Quitline. Line 
Welcome back to Line One, your health connection on Alaska Public Media. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Clark. I'm joined by uh, Dr. John Morris and previously Captain uh, Denise Delgado. Do you have questions about health in the homeless? Do you have ideas about how to improve the problem? Give us a call statewide, 1-888-353-5752. In Anchorage, 550-8433. Or email us at line1 at alaskapublic.org. Dr. Morris, with our last uh, 12 minutes or so, um, you know, let's let's maybe look at some of the potential um, solutions out there. I know this is a hot topic. There's a lot of controversy, opinions, um, but out of everyone around, I think you, you probably have the, um, the most information um, given your former role. So if, um, you know, if it were up to you, you know, what are, what are some of the easy fixes? What are some of the low hanging fruit that we can go after here? Uh, well, to be honest with you, I, I don't know of any easy fixes um, uh, in this space. Um, I think that we're at a stage where we need to uh, take a systematic approach as an entire community uh, to addressing it. Um, and and we're, we're heading that way with, that, with the negotiated agreement that was in the press between the Assembly and the uh, Mayor's administration, uh, where we're going to uh, stand up uh, treatment facilities uh, and a navigation center that's purpose-built and becomes a hub and a way to coordinate care. You know, what we've seen, um, you know, healthcare in America is a, is a pretty organized thing. You know, if you're out uh, and, you, and, you, and you're riding a bicycle and you, and you uh, break a leg, uh, you can call on your phone and ambulance will come pick you up, take you to an emergency room, and uh, the, they can test you and see if you need surgery or you need a splint or, or whatever type of treatment it is. And then that, and then they can send you to that place, which is happens to be at this, in the same building. Um, in with, with people experiencing homelessness, we don't we don't have that kind of a network now. What we have are uh, places like the Salvation Army, or Brother Francis, or Gospel Rescue Mission, or the Hope Center, or or, or others who have their facility, or Beans Cafe, who have you know they have a facility where they provide some mixture of services. Um, and they can tell you that maybe you're, there's another place that's a better fit for you, uh, but they haven't been organized together um, uh, where uh, there, there's no wrong door when people come to it. Uh, and there's no uh, overarching system to, to diagnose folks, uh, or for lack of a better word, uh, and navigate them to the, uh, the place that would be best for them. That's that, that networking um, that and that building of the emergency room where – folks can come where, you know, you've got chest pain, but you don't know if it's a heart attack or if it's just indigestion, and uh, that can refer you to and figure out what it is that you need to help you not have chest pain anymore. That's the that's the big step for us, and that's what we need to do next. Sure. Um, well, we have a, we have a couple calls um, coming in, and um, uh, let's go uh, line eight, please, first. Um, and so we'll see if we can't get to a few of these here before our time is up, but I love the idea of a hub. Um, you know, it, it just seems like there needs to be more people that are, are aware or know all of the resources, um, you know, and know where to be able to send people. But, uh, M- Michael, um, can you hear me? You're on line one. Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, where are you calling in from, Michael? Uh, San Juan del Sur, Nicaragua. You're calling in from Nicaragua? 
Yeah. Well, welcome to the show, Michael. What's your question? I was wondering what percentage of the homeless population are veterans, and what percentage of that population uh, receives treatment? Oh, great, great question, Michael. And we'll have you take the answer off the air here, but Dr. Morris, um, uh, veterans have a, an entire different um, um, uh, assistance program, uh, I believe. So can you, can you answer Michael's question here about the veteran population? I, I, the only part I heard was about how many folks are, are veterans experiencing homelessness, is what, was, but I thought there might have been more. I, I'm sorry I couldn't hear it all. Yeah, no, that no, that's his question. But I know, um, and then my follow-up is, you know, veterans have a, a, a certainly a different pathway as well, many different resources available too. That, that, that those are both those are all true. It's in uh, veteran homelessness is the one subpopulation of people experiencing homelessness in in Alaska that we've made the most progress on um, uh, over the past decade or, or two decades, and it's it's down to. Uh, uh, Less than 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 one or two percent of of people currently experiencing homelessness are unsheltered veterans. Um, the uh, the in America the uh, uh, veterans have received a, a large uh, uh, amount of resources uh, for this, where supportive housing is available uh, for uh, basically every veteran who is experiencing homelessness, uh, and they can access that uh, through the VA system, which acts as a as a uh, hub uh, referral center that can temper that can uh, you know if someone comes in uh, for instance with a mental health or a substance abuse acute problem that can get temporized or uh, treated there and then it's a seamless uh, referral or should be seamless it's a government agency seamless referral to uh, uh, supportive housing with follow-on services uh, they it's really uh, uh, something that's done a, a great job. Yeah, maybe we can take some lessons from from the veteran um, administration here. What? Um, so we have a, another call here in Anchorage. Um, uh, is it uh, Petla? Hi, can you hear me? Yes, yes. Welcome to Line One. What can we answer for you? Hey, good morning. I had more of a comment. Um, I was noticing uh, how similar, or we're, we're looking at uh, the demographic of homelessness, <clears throat> and most people are going in and out of prison from homelessness to prison and, and prison can be like a, a big homeless shelter in itself. But my comment was <clears throat> about the opportunities within the prison system to prevent homelessness on release. And what I've noticed in looking at prison system like Goose Creek is um, the tremendous opportunity for programs within prison when people are in prison, they're clean and they're sober and they're they're straight. So there, there is opportunity for programs like agriculture and recycling. So we we as a society can bring a recycling system to the prison, um, where you know Goose Creek has 1,500 inmates. You know that's bigger bigger than most villages in the state of Alaska. And um, if you ever go there, you'll look at this list where inmates sign up to try to get a job. And the list spans a 20-foot wall and a small print. And there's only like maybe 1% or 2% of inmates that are employed at 25 to 75 maybe up to $2 an hour. 
So we, as a state of Alaska, have tremendous opportunity to start bringing these programs like uh, treatment centers, counseling and therapy, education, um, you know, making sure that people are getting their GEDs and even starting college and vocational training within the prison system like people can go and learn and carpentry and welding and things like that, um, or even a giant agricultural program where we start to learn about what it takes to grow things here in Alaska and, you know, everything about that. Um, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, so... Um, no, thank you for your comment, uh, Pella. It's, it's well received. I mean, it's a it's a captive audience, and certainly it's a vulnerable population. Um, you know, uh, Doctor Morris, any any comments about the the prison system and and feeding uh, or treatment of of homelessness? Yes, absolutely, and I'm glad to, that you called in that comment because it's something we haven't talked about at all here, and it's it's an important thing. And and Frank, I should take back what I said earlier that this is an, an opportunity of some low hanging fruit. Um, currently, there's um, uh, uh, a fair bit of treatment goes on, uh, particularly for folks who've been in, who are incarcerated for relatively lengthy terms. Uh, the Salvation Army takes uh, a lead on uh, detox treatment uh, in our correction system, and they, and they have some fantastic results. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Captain Delgado is not still available to, to talk about it. But I'd like to kind of build on what you said a little bit and talk about reentry. You know, currently, when folks are uh, incarcerated for a lengthy period of time, there are a number of programs that the Department of Corrections has for uh, that are offered uh, to talk to people about what they're going to do when they get out of prison. Um, folks who are incarcerated for shorter durations, which coincidentally is often crimes which are associated with uh, poverty, um, uh, those, problem, those programs aren't really available. And what happens, they get discharged from jail or from prison, they're put on a bus, and they're taken to the Anchorage jail and dropped off. A lot of these folks are not from Anchorage, and um, they don't know anybody. They don't know where to go, and uh, they're just left there in the parking lot to fend for themselves. And that happens to be located near a homeless shelter. It happens to be located near uh, areas where uh, uh, drug use is prevalent. Uh, and that's a, that's a tough hill to climb, literally and figuratively, uh, when you get let out. Now, there are some organizations in town that – that are working to help uh, with that. You know, Partners Reentry Center is is, uh, is one. Um, you know, but they they're they're short on resources. And this is something that that's simply providing a, a ride uh, to a facility uh, for a person that needs it, uh, or a phone number, or, or just a little bit of coordination on when folks are dropped off there uh, could go a long way uh, to letting folks you know skip that long walk up the hill past folks using drugs when they just got out of a place when they where they mm. probably weren't using any. Uh, and help them stay on the on a better path. Absolutely. We have one more call. I'm going to try uh, try to get to this. Uh, Thomas uh, from Palmer. Um, Thomas, we're really short on time, but uh, if you could uh, pose your question, like that would be great. Build the reception st- uh, center on the ANC campus, so that when the the kids come in from the villages out of town, that uh, uh, if they got got nowhere to go, they go to the uh, to to the reception area and get DVR testing for aptitude testing and assist those kids as they first come into town, uh, either into college or, or, you know, help direct them with uh, work study and stuff like that. Uh, Back to what the guy was just talking about corrections. I was working at Lindy's Merrill Field, 
And uh, the brilliant native kid was uh, running out of money. He'd been looking six weeks for a job, and he filled out his application beautifully. And I gave it to the manager. He said, we don't hire that kind. I'm a white guy, you know, with experience. I got the job. But they hired from uh, something with with Cordova Center and uh, the probation officers. And so this this boy who's innocent, they – Sure, Thomas. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to cut you off there. Um, we're we're going to run out of time here, um, and uh, but but thanks for your your comment about the communities and and resources uh, once they come to to Anchorage. So I appreciate your call, uh, Dr. Morris. Any comment about about that central hub idea? No, and uh, I, I think that uh, you know uh, that this that a central hub really is is part of a an organized system. You know, really helps us get organized and make it like a healthcare system uh, for for helping people who are experiencing homelessness. Because for the vast majority of folks, it's a healthcare problem. Um, if it's a health, if it's not a healthcare problem that leads a person to experience homelessness, then the the vulnerable state of living that way almost certainly will lead to health problems. So addressing it as a health problem really makes good sense, and it should and it will work. Interesting. Okay, I, I I agree with you. Um, we have about one one minute here. Uh, any closing thoughts, uh, Dr. Morris? You know, th- you know, just thank you again for for uh, letting us have some time to to bring some light on this issue. I, I think that the next steps for our community really is for is community understanding um, that this problem is solvable. Um, when uh when I worked for the city, I, I got the opportunity to talk to a lot of folks, a lot of residents, and. Uh, and, and very few folks think this is a solvable problem, and that's nonsense. We can put somebody on the moon. Um, we could win. We could win a world war. We, we can absolutely uh, help our most vulnerable neighbors. You know, if if we're not helping the poor people, what are we doing? No, I, I agree with you. It is it is a metric as to how well we are are doing as a society. So so thank you for your time today, and that's going to conclude our show. Um, Special thanks to our guests for being with us today, Dr. John Morris and Captain Denise Delgado of the Salvation Salvation Army. Thanks to our audio engineer, Tobin Shelby, and our producer, Adeline Baxter. You can find more information on this and previous programs on our website at alaskapublic.org. Let us know your thoughts or suggestions by emailing us at line1 at alaskapublic.org. This has been Line One, your health connection. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Clark. Stay safe, Alaska. of Alaska Public Media, which is solely responsible for its content. Views expressed are those of the host and participants and not necessarily those of Alaska Public Media, this station, or its underwriters. Learn more about Line 1 and listen online at alaskapublic.org. This is Alaska Public Media.